It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. I've been going through a lot of processing of deep emotions for a lot of different reasons. And this has led me to kind of reflect on a lot of things from my past because I'll get into why I've been reflecting on the past in a moment. But I was revisiting in my mind how in my journals sometimes I will brainstorm on random ideas for book titles or band names or concepts, projects, things of that nature. And one of my favorite titles that I never did anything with and that I feel actually compelled to write a song about now was originally something I wanted to... (laughs) In like my rock days when I used to sing in rock bands and whatnot, this was a band name that I wanted to have as a project and never did it. And the name was Awoken by Death, which sounds so metal. It sounds like if you were to hear a band or a song called Awoken by Death, it's like, well, that sounds pretty heavy. But what I actually want to do is not the obvious with it. I want to do something unexpected with a title like that. The point that I'm attempting to get to with this title, and I think the reason that years ago I thought of it and, and didn't really know what it meant to me at the time is reflecting on it now because I was informed this week that my mentor in high school, his name was Russ Gibb, and I'll get into a little bit more about what made this man so special and so pivotal in my life, was reflecting, I feel like when I have lost somebody important in my life, this idea of loss, this idea of death or the perception of losing someone, for me, it has an awakening and a clarifying effect in life. And not just him and really sitting in these feelings of the memories of him and how much he touched my life and affected me as a mentor and really changed the course of my life. Really, it just was a pivotal human being in my history. Also, just thinking about the people that I've lost that touched my life in some profound way. And through the sorrow and through the feeling of loss, there's just this interesting clarity that arises. And the clarity is almost like this awakening of, for me right now, Am I living in alignment with my truth? Am I living in alignment with something that I feel meaningful about? And I think it's because he lived his life with so much meaning and so much passion and so much wisdom and he was a game changer and and all the things he did in his career. And it's really, I think, just causing me to reflect on what I'm doing and how I'm living my life. And just death is this interesting thing to reflect on where there's the sadness of not being able to see this person or connect with this person in physical form, but I feel much like when my grandfather passed away back in the mid-90s, that was the thing that set me on the path of veganism and health and wellness and changing my life with food and nutrition and taking my health more seriously. And I didn't know that my grandpa dying and how traumatizing and painful that was would awaken me to look at my life in a different way, how I was living, how he was living, how my whole family was living. And I think just losing people can be this really interesting wake-up call. For me, I've experienced that and I'm in that now again. And I guess I'm just reflecting on the gift of loss and the gift of death. And well, yeah, to quote the new Star Wars trailer that came out recently, where at the very end, Luke Skywalker's voice comes in and he goes, no one's ever really gone. How many times have you watched the trailer that you can quote it? Eight times. Have you really? (laughs) I'm obsessed. Precisely eight times? Yeah, I think I'm probably seven or eight. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of obsessed. I'm a huge fan, but. Which is also funny because today is May 4th. Today is May 4th. May the 4th be with you, Whitney. That movie's interesting though, right? In this idea of no one's ever really gone and and the, the clarifying aspect of losing people because in Star Wars, 
there's this whole idea of force ghosts that after someone loses a Jedi, right, loses their physical body, they have the ability in the non-physical form to come back and teach lessons and talk to people and engage with people who are still in their bodies. And this idea of wisdom or love or perspective being shared after death, you know, the, we talk about legacy of people's impact after their physical life is over with. And also reflecting on this idea of, man, it's just, I, I feel like I'm a little bit all over the place. I'm just collecting my thoughts on this episode because I, I only found out uh, recently that Russ had passed away. So I'm still just swimming in these emotions. One of the thing that scares me the most, it's probably one of my two biggest fears is that at the end of my life, that I won't have made the kind of impact I wanted to, that somehow there'll be some semblance of regret on my deathbed or that I won't have lived as full out or full on as I wanted to. And that's not really a bucket list thing. You know, it's like, oh, you didn't, you never bungee jumped or <laughs> you never took a lap around a NASCAR track, nothing like that. The fear for me when I think about my death is this idea that I didn't have the kind of impact or didn't affect the world how I wanted to, that I didn't give my all to things or that I didn't conquer my fears. I didn't give over to those things. And just again, thinking about my grandpa thinking about Russ, thinking about the most important people that I've lost in my life. I just, I don't know. It makes me think about my own death too. And not, not in a morose, like downer way, but like, am I really living right now? Or am I just being half-assed about it? Am I being scared? That's the clarifying effect I think I'm talking about of being awoken by death is that reflection. What is that quote? It starts off with something like, I'm just going to throw it out there because I feel like you're going to know the quote, Jason, is is the funny thing about human beings is that they think they have more time, something like that. Oh, I think this is an offshoot of the original quote is attributed to the Buddha, actually, where the Buddha quote that you motivated my mind to think of is the problem is you think you have time, which is, I think, attributed to the Buddha. The problem is you think you have time. First of all, there's a lot of attributions, Jack Cornfield and Buddha's little instruction book. But then some people saying fake Buddha quotes don't dot com. <laughs> Someone made fake Buddha quotes dot com. We'll put it in the show notes. I mean, either way, it doesn't matter who said it. It's the trouble is that we think we have more time. And I think that's the thing that death reminds us of when somebody that we care about passes away. It's a reminder that we, too, will die. We're on the clock. But I think for better or for worse... We don't think about dying that frequently. No, we don't. I mean, in your day-to-day -day life, and I'm saying you, Whitney, don't you find that it's not an ever-present thing? It's almost like we compartmentalize the reality of our situation, which is time is finite and our time in these physical bodies is finite. But I find that it's not an ever-present notion. And I found that this year in particular, I've just been thinking about death more and not in a macabre, morose way of like death, but this idea of death as a motivator, death as a clarifier that, yeah, this particular body and life as Jason will be over. And what is it that I want to be doing, living, experiencing? What's know? interesting to me, though, is that as far as we know, our consciousness ends at death. Well, so we don't know. I mean, that's the thing is we weirdly don't know. That's why I said, as no, far as far. we know, like we have assumed through science and research mm -hmm. and whatever else that our consciousness as we know it ends in that time. So the interesting thing is, if that's the case, then we won't have the consciousness to have regrets 
I think maybe it depends on how our lives end, because if our lives end suddenly, we don't even have a chance to regret anything. If our lives end slowly, quote unquote, naturally, if we get old and, you know, like my grandfather, one of my grandfathers, for example, well, both of them actually had that period of time of, first of all, they were getting older, but then one of my grandfathers got sick. So he's probably thinking about death a lot. But the grandfather that I was really close to, you know, he was in hospice. And it's kind of like when you go into hospice, it's kind of saying this is going to be the end. And so I imagine that's got to be pretty weird to just be waiting for death to come. I don't know. That's interesting because we've talked about before how Jason and I both feel passionate about longevity. We want to live long lives. But can you imagine getting to that mentally, what that would be like to really anticipate death? Because then you actually, I would see that might be a time where regrets might come up for you. Well, you have all this time to review, right? There would be all this time to sit and review one's life, as you said, if it's not something sudden like getting eaten by a shark. But I think it's also interesting because we've been told through... I think there was a book written about this where a nurse interviewed people on their deathbeds and yeah. saw the biggest regrets of their lives, right? So we hear things like that and we feel, okay, I don't want to have those regrets, which I think is inspiring. I guess we just won't know if we're going to regret anything. That's the other thing, interesting thing for me is that, as we know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So when we're making decisions, we're usually doing the best we can or the best we know how in those moments. If we're giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt, every decision we make is based on us doing the best that we can in that moment. Every once in a while, there'll be a decision and we'll think, okay, I made that decision out of fear. I made that decision out of weakness. But even in those moments where we do make decisions out of those emotions, that still feels like the best choice for us in that moment. So it's kind of silly for us to have regrets about things because (laughs) there was a reason that we made them. Do you know what I'm saying? Is that every decision that we're making is made for some reason. And this idea that of regret is almost kind of a wasted emotion unless it's commonly used for motivation to change, right? Suffering and pain are generally good motivators for change, yeah. Yeah, so I regret that I did this. Instead of, I guess there's a difference between beating yourself up versus saying, you know what, I wish that I had done something differently, but I forgive myself for doing it that way. And I want to make a different choice in the future. The only difference is with death that we might not have that opportunity. But again, we have no idea how any of our lives are going to end and if we will even have an opportunity to regret something because you don't know. I mean, I look at one of my grandmothers, for example, one of them, I think she was kind of in that mode of suffering from most of the time that I knew her. She had Parkinson's and she just mentally was not happy or maybe all there. So it was like 10, 15, 20 years that I knew her. It seemed like she was always miserable in some way or another, right? So I imagine for her, there was like a lot of mental suffering, but I, I never asked her. Whereas my other grandmother, she had a stroke, I think, or maybe it was a heart attack, one of the two. And it just happened kind of out of nowhere. And then I think she lost most of her consciousness and she was in a hospital bed for a month and then passed away. So I don't even know how alert she even was. Was she even in a state where she could sit there and reflect on her life? I don't know. So I guess that's the part of it is that we can use that as a motivation 
but we still, in every moment, we're having a choice. I think that's also part of it is this idea that thinking that we have time, we really only have the present moment because we have no idea what the future holds for us and what our state of mind will be. We're constantly changing. So we can sit here and feel motivated, but we still have to be present and that the only thing that matters is what we're doing right now. The past doesn't matter and the future doesn't matter. And so there's no point beating ourselves up. There's no point in saying, I wish I had done things differently because for whatever reason at that time, you made a different decision. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the, the thing I'm present to, thank you for that, in this moment is just the clarity that it brings in the sense of, are there any non-essential bullshitty little things that I'm consuming my time and attention to that don't really matter to me? But don't you feel like that's no, a bit of a judgment though? Because you made a choice to do those things or have those things in your life. Right. But I also wonder that I have had a tendency in the past to be a little bit of a people pleaser and undoing that energy in the sense of when I observe somebody dying, right? And there's this reminder of like, we're in this finite time-bound reality. And to your point, all we have really is the present. The past is dead. The future is unwritten. That in this moment, am I really living the way I want to live or am I living for other people's expectations? Are there expectations I have for myself that are no longer valid? I mean, it's kind of apropos of just where I'm at right now. And, you know, I've shared this on other episodes of the podcast that I just feel a little bit like I'm in a free fall right now. I feel a little bit lost. I feel a little bit uncertain about what I am doing and if it's really in alignment with my soul and my heart, or if I'm just going through the motions and doing certain things that are outdated career-wise, creativity-wise, business-wise. And so it's just interesting that in the midst of this feeling of free fall or finding myself again, just feeling a little bit like kind of I'm in the wilderness, lost and just wandering to a degree, that this wonderful mentor from high school who really changed the course of my life in a really profound way. I feel like I'm kind of in a life-changing chapter right now as well, which is maybe why this is hitting so hard. Because I remember when I first met him, I was lost and directionless and a bit of a punk and getting in fights and didn't give a crap about school. And I was just really kind of a lost soul at that part of my life. And he gave me this opportunity to channel my disillusionment and my rage and my anxiety and my creativity and put it into an outlet of film and video and acting and doing things I never considered doing. But he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and nobody else really did either. And so he gave me this path, this reservoir to put all these emotions and this creativity that was just not being put anywhere. I was just kind of a mess when I was 14 years old. It's just a mess. But again, are you're labeling yourself as being a mess when that was the best you knew how to be. Yeah, but I'm, I was a mess, Whitney. <laughs> I was a mess. But do you feel like there was something wrong with that? No, I wasn't. And what do you define at being a mess? I'm saying it because this was the reality of my consciousness at the time. I didn't give a shit about school at all. I was getting D's and F's. What did you care about instead? Reading comic books, playing video games. But are those things really a mess? Love, what I want to do is just express like my state of being right now. And like, I'm not judging my former self. I'm just trying to give a glimpse of like where I was at at the time. And for me, it's like I was angry and disillusioned and like fed up with just being in, I was just fed up with being alive. You know, I remember at 14 years old, I didn't feel understood. I didn't really feel like I had good friends. I felt just this experience of disengagement and disillusionment with life. I remember like that feeling. And so the reason that I feel like it was profound to have an outlet for my teenage angst, you know, and my confusion and disillusionment was just, it was the first time I think 
that I saw something to channel in a creative way that had meaning to me. Because up till that point, it was like, I really didn't have an outlet. I didn't have anything that I felt was a healthy, focused, something that brought me joy in creating. And it was just interesting to have that moment of like, oh, there's something I never even considered or existed, which was film and video and, and being on camera and expressing myself through character and script. And I was just, it was just kind of mind blowing. And I'm just sitting back and I don't feel judgmental of that period of my life. It was just, I guess I'm reflecting on the power of that for me as a young man, just to have that guidance and have that mentorship and have that outlet and form of creativity. I mean, I use the word life-changing, not in a small, subtle way. It really was. It was really a, a life-changing change of direction for me. And I think my point is that I, I'm now kind of rethinking what I'm doing and where I'm focusing my attention and, and my energy. And maybe it's him passing away is getting me to reflect back on when I was 14 years old and that, that feeling, recalling that feeling back then. I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to decode it. It's still like really fresh and weird and raw. I don't know. I guess like what I'm trying to say is if we are present, then there is a, either no judgment because we're constantly rethinking things. And I think we tend to want to put labels or put our lives into these different stages, right? Mean? As in like, this is the time I was a mess and this is the time I wasn't. And now I'm back in a place where I feel like I'm a mess and I'm rethinking things. <laughs> but really, is it possible that it's all kind of blurred together? And it's just like, it's not that I don't believe in, in defining moments or transitions or, or whatever. But I think we all, that in a way that kind of limits us when we just chunk our lives into stages. Right. Because I think that's where some of the judgment comes in. It's like, this is the time where I was young and this is the time where I was old. This is the time of my teens. This is the time of my 20s. And there's a difference between the two. But really, our lives, we just have no prediction over where they're going. So every single moment is an opportunity to change and transition and rethink things. And if we constantly put ourselves, if I guess like the stages in a way can be judgmental because we can see them as less than or better than. Comparative. Yeah. I think comparison, as we've talked a lot about, can cause a lot of suffering. And knowing what you expressed to me, Jason, is you feel like you're in this free fall, but how do you even know that you're falling? I mean, even saying the word falling, as we talked about before, like falling in love is seen as kind of this negative thing. I mean, it's like you're falling. It's like out of control or whatever, you know, like going downwards. But for all you know, that you might be going upwards in this moment in your life. It just it's just a feeling. And as I've discovered a lot in the periods of my life that I felt really emotionally uncomfortable, my feelings are constantly changing. Yeah. And as we know from meditation practice, our thoughts are a bit meaningless. They're just thoughts, but we assign meaning to them. And yeah. then sometimes we become really attached to them. And that attachment can lead to suffering. And so... This is all aside from the mourning and the grief period of death. I think death of a loved one is almost worse in my head than my own death. Because like I said earlier, I don't know when it's going to happen. And I don't know what, if any, my state of being will be after that moment of death. So maybe it is really peaceful because maybe I just won't be thinking anymore, or have any consciousness or awareness. Maybe it just ends, which also sounds pretty freaky. 
in a way, but simply because I'm used to it. But if our consciousness just ends, then we're not even going to have the thought or a feeling of fear, right? It's just over. And that's beyond comprehension because we have no frame of reference for that, right? I think that's why death feels so scary is that it's very permanent. But to me, there's so much more pain in the death of a loved one or anyone that we care for, mainly because we are going to miss them. And it's a very selfish thing in a way. I was thinking about this with my grandfather and, you know, the last time I saw him and the last few times that I saw him. And I just kind of wondered, was I there for him or was he there for me? What if it's both? These are just the thoughts that I was having, meaning Uh like, sure, it probably was both. But it's like, I kind of felt like I was there for him. That was just kind of this mentality. Oh, you should go see your grandfather. But he was also there for me because when he died again, he was going through some sort of major transformation or just a true end. Again, we don't know what happens when our bodies die, right? So for my grandfather, in a way, it's kind of like this, it's just going to happen one day and he doesn't experience any pain after that. But for me, losing my grandfather, it was pain and the rest of my life has some sort of a pain from that time that my grandfather died because he's not there in my life. Yeah, there's a void. A perceived right? void. So yeah. it's really interesting how I started to think about it differently and, and how it's just as human beings, we're there. There's that time of when somebody's in our lives and when they're not anymore. We feel really sad, but it's like almost like a selfish sadness because we don't have them in the role that they played. So maybe for you, it's like you're feeling this void of somebody that you felt like was looking after you. And I wonder, is it that You felt like part of you died or you felt like now there's one less person to lean on or, you know, the person that helped me through a hard time is no longer there. And I really wish they were there to help me. When was the last time that you talked to him? Oh, it was a while ago. And that's what's interesting, too, is I didn't even know about this person in your life. Their name is unfamiliar to me. So it's interesting to me, too. It's bringing up a lot of emotions. But you hadn't connected with this person in a while. I mean, I I don't mean to, to sound diminishing exactly. But my question would be, why does it hurt so much when this is somebody that you weren't connected to? Again, not to be diminishing, like I'm really curious. What is the pain? Is it bringing up just old memories or is it that, like you're saying, it's bringing up all these questions for you because it's somebody that's significant even though you weren't connected? It's all very fresh and I'm just still feeling and sorting through it all. So my initial answer to your question is I think it's reflecting on the old memories and the timing of this perception or feeling or judgment, maybe all three, of where I'm at right now and remembering where I was when I was 14 years old and how similar the feelings are. And the other part of it, I think, is that this was a being who was so dedicated to helping, supporting, inspiring creativity and ferocious individuality and exploration in other people and and the loss of a being like that on the planet right now on a macro sense, is also painful. You know, of this guiding light, this person who was so ferociously creative, who lived full out, who dedicated so much of his life to uplifting others and inspiring them and and seeing potential in people. And just when a soul like that is embodied on this planet, you meet someone, you know someone like that, and they've touched you. To your point, it does feel selfish in the sense of like, oh, I'm not going to ever see this person, although we weren't in communication, but it's more of a bigger loss of the loss of a great being. That's what I'm present to in this moment, you know, of this, the sadness in this moment of just kind of the macro, like, 
loss of this being's presence on the planet. One of the most amazing, and there's so many amazing stories. I remember in you know, this was the mid '90s, and we had one of the top four film and video programs in the entire country. I mean, it was the studio was amazing, and for any, and you'll know this, Whitney, but for any any other editing or film or video geeks that are listening, we were one of the first schools that had an avid nonlinear editor. And to that point, we were editing on tape. You know, everything was tape. It was high eight. It was three quarter inch. And we got this avid machine. And I remember it was the first time I ever surfed the internet. We had the internet in like 94. And it was, what is this? What is this? And he predicted, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a bold claim. He predicted YouTube because I remember having conversations with him where he, he and I'll do my best imitation because he sounded kind of like the penguin from the Batman movies. He was like, I'm telling you right now. In eight to 10 years, this was 94, 95, eight to 10 years, everyone's going to have a camera. Everyone's going to be making videos. It's going to be a part of the cultural context. Everyone's going to have their 15 minutes of fame. Like Warhol said, trust me, it's It's going that way 10 years. You guys having this experience? And lo and behold, 2005, YouTube comes out. And so he just had this confidence and he was this visionary with music and video and film of just he saw where it was going 10 years ahead of time. And I remember when YouTube came out thinking back, like, wow, Russ called this. Like, everyone's got a camera now. Everyone's got, the, got a camera on their phone. Like, everybody and their grandma's doing video and has a YouTube channel or posts on Instagram stories. And his prescience and his ability to see into the future was one of the things that was just so profound. So to go back to why I think it's so sorrowful is he, he was also just this visionary human being. So I, I don't know. I, I'm still sorting through all the emotions around it, but that's my initial answer of why. I think I feel the sadness I do. There's beauty. And, you know, when I talk about awakening by death, I think there are also gifts, you know, much like my grandfather, not knowing at the moment that his passing would get me to reflect on my lifestyle and my food and all those things. But I think Russ, the gift in it of, you know, if I go home to go to his memorial, which I endeavor to do, then I get to see my mom and I get to reconnect with old friends that I haven't seen in decades. People that I was so close to in the film and video program, you know, we spent months on certain films and and working so closely together. And if there's a gift in it, perhaps in paying homage or honor to him, it's getting to reconnect with these old, old friends, these dear souls that I haven't seen in a long time. So I think in this period of grief and loss, perceived loss, there's gifts to be seen in it too. There's beauty to be harvested from it as well. And I'm really trying to just be present to that too. I don't know. That's all I have to say right now, <laughs> I think, <laughs> about it. You had your crying moment on a previous podcast, and now this is my first time, which probably won't be the last because I'm just feeling a lot right now. I think the takeaway for me in this subject of death and impermanence is not getting stuck in the sorrow or the illusion. And I know through certain spiritual experiences that, to, to quote back to Luke Skywalker, no one's ever really gone. You know, I feel like I've had some really wonderful experiences, like with my grandparents and certain other people that I'm not quite sure what to call it, but just the feeling of their presence. And so in this feeling of loss or sorrow that we may find ourselves in, that there's hope in it too, and there are gifts in it if we choose to look for them. And I think that's the thing that I'm encouraging all of us to be present to is not everything is all bad. And you talk about judgment, Whitney, not everything is all bad. Not everything is all sorrow. Not everything is all pain. In the midst of our pain, sorrow, disillusionment, disappointment, there are gifts and there is beauty and there is redemption and there is grace to be found in those moments as well. And I think just being gentle with ourselves and being present and allowing ourselves to be in it allows the grace and the gifts and the beauty to arise. And I think that's just my biggest perspective on it all right now. So thanks for going deep with me on this one. And, and thank you all for <laughs> being with us on this journey of going deep and getting super uncomfortable. <laughs> 
We'll see you guys soon. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.